I'm Carol Cohn, and welcome to Purpose 360, the podcast that unlocks the power of purpose to ignite business and social impact. Today, I have a marvelous conversation with two companies I'm sure you've heard of, Hasbro and Citi, the global financial services company. They're joining me today to talk about why they were bestowed for the 11th consecutive year, the prestigious Civic 50 Award. Now, I hope you know a bit about this award. We're going to know a lot more today. It was founded as a partnership between the National Conference on Citizenship, Points of Light, and Bloomberg LP in 2012. It was developed with a high-profile working group of lead researchers and industry thought leaders who wanted to find the core measures of what makes an extraordinary civic engagement and commitment. Indeed, the Civic 50 measures the time, the talent, and resources that are invested by companies to drive social impact in the business and community. It's the power of and, as you have heard me talk about many times on the show. It is based on four dimensions, and these include investments of resources, integration across business functions, institutionalization through policies and systems, and impact measurement. The 50 companies that have been honored this year have, on a consolidated basis, they've done a lot. They've contributed $1.7 billion in cash, over $9 billion in in-kind resources, approximately $6 million in hours volunteering, and they've prioritized especially in 2022 civil and human rights. They all have one consolidated theme, and that's treating their community investments and engagement as strategy, as business strategy, not just writing a check and not just philanthropy. So join me for a highly insightful conversation with Hasbro and City and their social impact leaders. And so with no further waiting, welcome to the show, Kevin Coleman, who's Senior Director of Global Philanthropy and Social Impact at Hasbro, and Brandy McHale, Head of Community Investing and Development at City, and she's the President also of the City Foundation. So welcome, Kevin and Brandy. Thank you. Thank you for having us. These organizations, just to give you a sense of the longevity, guys and gals, listeners, City is 211 years old, and Hasbro this year is celebrating its 100th anniversary. So we have staying power in these publicly held companies. So congratulations both. Thank you, Carol. So why don't we just get started? Because I'd love for both of you to give a brief introduction of your your role um, and your organization. So we're going to start with Kevin. Great. Thank you, Carol. And I'm incredibly proud to be here representing Hasbro. We are a toy and game company with a portfolio of our iconic brands such as Magic the Gathering, Monopoly, Transformers, 
Play-Doh and Peppa Pig, just to name a few. We deliver engaging brand experiences around the world through toys, games, consumer products, and entertainment. Uh, like you said, it is our 100th anniversary this year, so we're a proud 100-year-old organization. And um, as the Senior Director of Global Philanthropy and Social Impact at Hasbro um, and the President of the Hasbro Foundation, I have the privilege of leading Hasbro's social impact strategy, which includes our grant-making through the Hasbro Foundation, donations of toys and games, um, our best-in-class employee volunteer program, and brand cause marketing and other brand-related philanthropic activations. Um, so it's truly incredible to be here. And also, you know, all of that work is really driven by our corporate purpose, which is to create joy and community for all people around the world, one game, one toy, one story at a time. Love Hasbro, and thank you for being on the show. Now, Brandy, you have a phenomenal career in terms of the years and incredible contributions and social impact. So give us some details, please. Thank you so much. Well, Kevin, I, I love the fact that part of the company's your, your company's mission statement is to focus on, on joy. It's a little different when you look, work in a financial <laughs> services company, but we do try to find joy in what we're doing. So City is a global financial institution. We've only been around for a few centuries. We work in 100 plus countries around the world, so incredibly global. And what unites us as a, a financial services company is our mission to promote growth and economic progress in the countries and places where we do business. Like you, Kevin, I also have a multifaceted role toolkit of, of ways that we support local communities through our strategic philanthropy, our impact investing work, our employee engagement work, and then um, a whole new area of work that's really around how do we work through our businesses and really deploy our core business capabilities to address social and environmental challenges around the world. Incredibly in-depth, cross-functional leaders here. So listeners, there's a lot to learn. So stick with us. It's going to be great. So what drives your company's passion for civic engagement and making a positive impact in communities? And how does that align with your corporate values? That's an interesting question. And I think that that would have been really hard for us to answer 10 years ago, 20 years ago. But I think we've seen a real shift starting first with the financial crisis, you know, in 2008, 2009, and really recognizing that the economic health and stability of local communities is really core to our core business and our ability to be a highly functioning value-add bank and driving positive societal impact is really important to our bottom line. Fast forward, all of those learnings were just further reinforced during all, you know, all the disruption that we have felt in the past three years. This is work driving positive societal impact is absolutely core to our values and our business mission because we know that if we cannot demonstrate the value add that banks bring to society, and that our bank brings to society, we're going to be able to be around 100 years. That sounds like you're talking about your license to operate, your social license to operate, and it, you're taking it so much into the core of city that this truly is something that is embedded. That's what I love about both of you, and that's why I know the Civic 50 really recognizes with a tremendous amount of rigor, which is how is this integrated into the business? 
Kevin, do tell us about you. You've had passion because of Hassenfeld. So you might want to talk a little bit about the founders of Hasbro because that passion was part of baked into the company. Exactly. Definitely. So we have been honored to be part of the Civic 50 for 11 years. But as you mentioned, we're celebrating our centennial this year and giving back to the community has really been central to the company since its founding more than 100 years ago. Our Hassenfeld family um, is our founding family and really an incredible legacy that they've left for us to make an impact um, through our business. And that's utilizing all of our corporate assets. And our global plan to be in social impact was primarily focused on supporting children for many years, but our business has evolved and we are supporting and reaching consumers through our toys, games, our entertainment, our licensing, and we're reaching consumers of all ages. And so our social impact has evolved in a strategic priority aligned with the business. And like you mentioned, also our values, um, you know, our social impact really aligns closely with our, our values. And um, being a toy and game company, we have uh, creative, fun values that align with our brands. Um, One being our friendship is magic value, which is aligned with our My Little Pony brand. (laughs) And that's all about, um, yeah, it's all about inclusivity and um, acceptance and inclusion. And so that aligns closely with diversity, equity, inclusion, which is, again, a part of the Civic 50 survey. Um, And then our contribute to the community chess value, um, again, kind of has always been core to our business, but also still continues to this day. Um, And it's about being community minded, not just listing the value on our website, but living that every day uh, through the impact of our business on society and leaving a positive impact for future generations as well. Now, I I have to ask you, what does jump in muddy puddles mean? So that's a fun one. Um, that's aligned with our Peppa Big Peppa Pig brand, <laughs> and it's all about being adventurous and um, trying new things, being innovative. Yeah, I, maybe they were doing that at, at Burning Man because I think that they were all jumping in my muddy, muddy puddles. <laughs> um, okay, so let's get a little more serious here. So, why is the Civic Fifty so important to both of your organizations? So, Kevin, why don't you go first? This award really holds great significance in in many ways. Um, It's not just about the recognition. It's really a powerful tool that helps our organization elevate our programming and impact in profound ways and also gather insight from the application process and other companies that are recognized um, through the recognition. And, you know, they have helped, the surveys really helped us improve our programming. I'll give one example. This came about recently where we were working and um, looking at our business relationships. And a part of the survey really has you uh, reevaluate how you're engaging your retailers or your licensees um, and other relationships you have in your social impact work. And we have a global day of service at Hasbro. It's in December, our global day of joy. It's an incredible day for our company. And last year was our 10th anniversary of our Global Day of Joy, and we innovated on uh, the concept of just our 6,000 employees giving back in the community. We outreach to those retail partners, to Walmart and Target and some of our licensees and other partners who we work with every day to challenge them to join us in this um, opportunity for giving back or do their own day in giving back in the community. So it really um, helped to make an impact, a larger impact in the community, but also strengthened our business relationships and our shared purpose and commitment to social responsibility. I want to echo what Kevin said and emphasize insights. Incredibly important. As he noted, 
everybody, you love validation and recognition, but that's really only valuable if you can use the Civic 50 actively as a way to then influence what you are doing, your agenda, what you're learning from other companies. I think one of the things that's most exciting is to see the new names that enter the Civic 50 list and how it's broadening to different sectors, who's coming on board. So for us, Civic 50 is about the insights you can gain and then how we're actively using those insights to influence the behaviors and the activities and the innovation we see amongst other companies. I love what you said about behaviors, because I don't think I have a lot of guests. They, they have the programs and how many people are going to touch, but they're not talking so much about the behavior. So can you maybe give us an example, Brandy, of, you know, it could be one year that you entered, what you learned, and then how it influenced behaviors? Well, we can think about behaviors actually on several different on different ranges. I mean, one is we can just think about our own behaviors and the way that our own thinking has changed about the way that we drive impact. You know, we can certainly, we've spent a lot of time measuring outcomes and it's important to have that data, but I don't think that that's the finish line. I think the finish line is using this type of work as an almost like a, a spark for more innovation. And you begin to compare yourself. It's, it's a very powerful tool to look, looking at what peers are doing. I do think that competition is actually very healthy. There is real competition here in the, in the Civic 50 process, but that competition leads to us adopting new initiatives, new ways of working, new ways of, of supporting the community and almost sort of takes the risk away. Like we begin to see the trends that are happening. And so it's easier to get across the finish line of proposal for let's do, let's add something new to our community investing toolkit. Kevin, we know that, that has, I'm going to jump right to on volunteering because that's what we're talking about. You have some extraordinary engagement numbers and you also give a lot of time of paid, was it, is it four, did I read that right? Four hours pay time off a month? Yes, that's correct. Okay. If I do the math, that's six days a paid time off a year. So congratulations to Hasbro. So let's talk about the magic and the the wonderful positive accelerant that volunteerism is happening at Hasbro and why. What are the, what's the secret sauce? We are so proud of our employee volunteer program. It's called Team Hasbro. And it's really driven by the dedication of our employees, their time and their talent uh, that they lend and their passions. And like you said, it, we have a four-hour per month benefit where employees can take time off to volunteer in their communities. And individually, our employees use this benefit as a, as a great work-life balance to volunteer in their child's school, to uh, go to a sports team. Team, um, and coach a sports team at their uh, for their children. And then as organization-wide, uh, a lot of our teams utilize this benefit for company-sponsored initiatives, volunteer projects, to really foster 
team building, uh, enhanced morale, uh, meaningful engagement in the community. We have game days where we're going into boys and girls clubs. We utilize the, the extreme talent of our design and development organization to create murals or new play spaces for kids and really, you know, allow us to connect with our consumer, with children and see the impact of our products in the community. And it is uh, something that is just really a high point for our for our business, for our employees, and they feel so connected to one another and our community through participating in the program. And then, like I mentioned before, we have a Global Day of Service as well called our Global Day of Joy. It happens in December. It's our busiest time of year, but it's a giving time and it's important to give back to the community. And so we're in 40 different countries. We have close to 85 to 95 95% participation. It fluctuates year to year, but that's uh, four times the corporate average and um, almost everyone within the company gives back on that day uh, to make an impact. Um, and we collectively make an impact for 100,000 children and families on that day. So it's something we're really proud of. Both of these, you know, again, extraordinary Civic 50 companies have really innovative. You've talked a little bit about your programming, but I want you to talk, man, I have listed a bunch of amazing programs. Why don't I let you, Brandy, first talk about one or two that you like, and let's see if you, if I've picked out the ones that you're going to talk about. And if not, I'll ask you again. And then, Kevin, the same for you, but uh, some amazing initiatives. Oh, my gosh, Carol. This is like, I have three children. It's like asking <laughs> me which, which of my three kids are my favorite, although I do whisper. They're exactly. all your favorite. I we know. I whisper in their ear that I they're do. each my favorite. But um, I'm going to call out one that's been the most challenging. Okay. and. It's most challenging. It's our Action for Racial Equity initiative. If you were to hold the wealth of white families exactly where it is today, white families could not add to their financial assets. It would take black households 200 years to catch up to where white households are today. As a financial institution, we have a role and an opportunity to move the needle. We're not going to be able to do it on our own but we came together. And the reason why I said this is the most challenging is because our default was to say, what organizations could we fund externally to work on this issue? We said, let's turn this upside down and instead say, what do we need to do differently as a financial institution to do our part to help close and accelerate the closing of that racial wealth gap? And so we're working on ways to increase entrepreneurships, homeownership, uh, you know, a variety of ways to put capital out into communities and into the marketplace that, again, will help accelerate closing that gap and changing those economic trends. But the reason why it was so challenging, and it still is challenging because our work is not done, two things. One is, this was a, a horizontal strategy. This was really an all-in working across the company to look at our role as a provider of products and services, and really used a whole variety of tools, including using our voice. And just in and of itself, putting ourselves out there to deliver, a, take a position in a time where there's just so much divisiveness. The other thing I'll just mention that I think has made this so rewarding and so challenging is that we started this effort in response to a crisis. You know, human nature, the further you get away from a crisis moment, 
the less kind of attention, it's very hard to keep momentum going. And so a lot of this work has been about how do we continue to move this from a crisis response to really building this in and make an economic case and build this into how we do business on an ongoing basis. And you don't always think about the president of the city foundation working hand in hand with the CFO of the company on how to bake this into our core business strategies, but it's taken us into into a new way of working. Thank you for that. Brandy, I, I wanted to just ask you about this bridge built by city platform, that it's a it's a collaboration. And I think it's a little bit unusual between Best Buy, Buy and City. It's supporting retailers uh, and small and medium-sized suppliers with loans from, you list on your website, 100,000 to 10 million. And the goal of it is to mitigate unconscious bias in lending and to promote access. Can you elaborate upon that? And and that's a, a, you know, it's a very focused program with a partner. So I love the partnership there. Bridge Built by City actually really began as a way to think about how do we create revenue generation opportunities for these specialized minority depository institutions and connect them to small businesses who may not qualify for traditional small business financing from a, from a, a, a larger bank and create this platform almost to marry the demand and the supply. And we stepped back and said, okay, there's something here that's very powerful. How do we actually scale it more quickly and create again, more demand and more supply and started to work with clients of City, like a Best Buy, say you have so many suppliers and vendors that you work with. Why don't we open up this opportunity? They may need financing. They may have, you may have smaller vendors, smaller suppliers. And so it's really about create a, innovating and new ways to address a longstanding challenge, which is how do you create more access to capital for small entrepreneurs but at the same time, helping to strengthen and scale these very specialized community banks that play such an important role in the financial services ecosystem. And I love, you know, the bridge word, because that's exactly what you're doing. And it's brilliant. Um, I am sure that our listeners do not know that City is the number one affordable housing lender in the U.S., for 13 consecutive years. So, you know, again, this is so baked into your business. You know, Kevin, you've got, oh gosh, a whole bunch of programs. So which is, of your children, of your three or four children, which is the first one you like to share with our listeners that you're really proud of and it's highly innovative? We have three pillars around, all focused around play. So bringing access to play, play relief, and our Playmakers program. One program that's been in place for many years, but really makes a, it makes a great impact at a time when it's needed the most is um, our product donation programming through Play Relief. That is an innovative program that allows us to respond to humanitarian or natural disasters in the best way we know possible. So we 
We understand that when a hurricane or earthquake or war breaks out, that children are in great need. And oftentimes basic needs are needed first. And we work closely with disaster relief partners to ensure those are those are given. But shortly thereafter, there's families that are displaced and they're in a distressed situation and they're in shelters. Um, and our toys and games can bring a set of solace or joy and comfort and distraction that's really needed at that time. We just shipped product to Hawaii uh, to respond to the Maui disasters. Last year, we donated over 100,000 toys and games to the Ukraine and the Ukrainian refugee crisis throughout Europe with our partner at Save the Children. I want you to elaborate a little bit more about play as a fundamental human right, because that's a core principle. And when did that become articulated at Hasbro? Was it from the very beginning or it just naturally developed? Play is a fundamental human right. That's, um, you know, a, a focus we've taken the past few years through these through these three pillars is to ensure that we can bring play to communities that need us the most. And so um, we know that it's a human right. And so how do we how do we reach that? So, so our access to play is about bringing play into underserved or low income communities, primarily with partners like Toys for Tots um, in the U.S. and um, to support those with intellectual disabilities or so a global partnership with Special Olympics. I mentioned play relief and our disaster support, but also children in children's hospitals, you know, when they're in in that situation, they need play and it brings a distraction. And we work with child life specialists who bring play into that setting to show uh, families and children that you can play while getting a procedure done. And that has a powerful impact. So as we're beginning to wind this down, which is too bad because we could go on for a long time, lots of great gems here. Um, just at a, at a high level, how are you measuring the success of your initiatives? Because there are four dimensions that Civic 50 asks for, investment of resources, integration across business functions. We've talked a lot about that. Institutionalization through policies and systems, and I think we've talked about that, but also impact measurement. And I'm sure that you have both qual and quant in your organizations. So, Kevin, can you share how you're measuring? That is a core component of our programming and, like you said, the analysis of the Civic 50. Um, but we have a comprehensive system in place uh, to evaluate the effectiveness of our social impact programs. Our grantees complete year-end and six-month impact reports, sharing their project results, their demographic data served, the evaluation of the success of their programs. And sometimes it's a challenge. And, you know, we saw this through COVID that some organizations didn't reach the goals that were outset, but we work with organizations to have open open, honest, transparent communication, and to understand if it was both, the, of course, like you said, the quantitative and qualitative metrics, um, if one didn't reach um, what was achieved, how then do we continue to work with them and fund programming to to advance and improve that work? Um, but, uh, you know, factors around how we improve skills in youth and young adults, how there was behavior change for organizations, quality life improvements or enhancements that that came about from our our grants, whether that be through our financial grants or our donations of toys and games. Um, so really looking at a holistic view um, to capture the depth and breadth of our, our programs 
program's influence. For us, we're storytellers and, you know, we're a storytelling organization. We take our toys and games and tell stories about them in many different platforms and, and levels. So once you, I think, break down the barriers of the grantee, grant, grantor relationship and um, unlock really the success stories that are coming about from our grants uh, and we tell those internally and externally, I think that's where the, where the true magic happens. Oh, I love the true magic. So Brandy, how do you measure? So we do lots of the things that Kevin has, has referenced and impact is incredibly important. And I'll go back to something I, I said at the beginning of our discussion that I do think about the I and impact differently. I think about it as innovation and influence. Mm, nice. Mm-hmm. And are we deploying our capital and philanthropy to support innovation? Are we using our resources to bring solutions and, uh, and stakeholders to the table? We do not want to be torturing our grantees with lots of data measurement. I think that if we're using the data just to make ourselves feel better, but it's not actually adding value, as Kevin has described, I think we're, it's, it's, we're all missing the boat. You know, and as I really jump back at the more meta level, you know, for us, you know, our goal really is to cultivate the marketplace of ideas. To use these resources in a way that are really going to be about ideation, idea generation. And to do that, we need to make sure that we are strengthening the change agents that we work with. And that they're able to not only be effective at delivering programs in the community, but I think just more and more in the world that we live in, where there is so much divisiveness, it is really important. And you picked up on this, Carol, a few minutes ago to support them to be bridge builders as well. And again, find ways to find common ground. And I think ultimately that when we think about impact, you know, this work does not generate the type of population level outcomes in nice 12 month budget years. So we have to think about this in a longer term period. But if in the end, what we've done is to strengthen those change agents and to help build those bridges, I think we've done our job. Oh, that's that's very well stated. Thank you. So both of you, again, 11 consecutive years. So we've got companies out there thinking, okay, should I enter the Civic 50? It's really an arduous process. But it also, as you said at the beginning of this conversation, it gives you insights and it gives you ways to grow and to thrive. So what um, recommendations would you have for, okay, let's say I'm company X, I'm going to call up Brandy and I say, Brandy, Brandy, should I do this? It's a lot of time. What would you say, Brandy? Look at what the requirements are. And I don't think the time to think about participating in the Civic 50 is when you get the email that says the window is open, let's do it now. I think if you're interested in doing, in participating in the Civic 50 and you're doing annual planning for next year overall, Start now to look at what was in this year's Civic 50. What do we need to build in? And by the way, it may not happen again in one year time period. Sometimes it takes a few years to build up the internal infrastructure and data that you need to fully participate. So again, incorporate it into your planning process and then incorporate, again, the insights and the outcomes from the actual rankings into the next year's planning process and think of it as a journey as opposed to this is a task we need to accomplish. It's much more than just an award. 
it's it's really an an infrastructure. It's analysis of your dare I say your soul and your operations and your structure. Kevin, what would you suggest when I call you up and go? Oh, I got a client and they're they're waffling. What should I tell them? I would say, of course, that you should apply because of the, what Brandy mentioned, the insights you gain for uh, your programming overall. Um, and even if you apply and um, you aren't selected, you receive an analysis and they work with true impact and they have data that breaks down how you answered your questions based on the um insight of how the other corporations in the in the survey answer the questions and looking at the list is inspiring because we're on it but also it also gives you a playbook and uh, resources to look at other companies and how they're running their programming and these are the best of the best companies in the social impact space and so you can also gain insights from other companies who are in the have taken the survey and um, the results you receive through true impact um, that's what I'd add as well, in addition to everything Brandy has mentioned, those insights are very valuable because it helps you with your planning process or your evaluation or how you shift and, and adjust your programming. So um, I would say it's, it's absolutely worth it overall. Fantastic. So before I close this down, I want to ask you about communications. The world is different out there. We're not supposed to pound our chests. There's everybody attacking ESG, however you want to talk about it but you're both doing incredibly authentic work. What are the best insights you can share with our listeners regarding you're doing it right, you're doing it cross-functionally, it's impacting, you know, you've measured it, et cetera. What's the best way to communicate it? Do not be afraid to talk about what isn't working. We shouldn't sugarcoat it because we learn just as much. Uh, again, this should be a place where we test new ways of addressing longstanding challenges not everything is going to work, and that's okay. Kevin. I'll answer that thinking about communication internally um, and how you reach your employees. Um, like I mentioned, the work we do is important for recruitment, um, but also uh, retention and you know our onboarding. It talks about purpose. And we put out messaging regularly at our company meetings. And having a consistent drumbeat internally that speaks about this work and inspires your employees is incredibly important, not just when you're recruiting for your global day of service, but also times of year when um, uh, we are recognizing an employee who has gone above and beyond through volunteerism. That drumbeat really creates a culture of purpose and service within your organization, which I think is so crucial uh, to advance your purpose and inspire employees in this work. Oh, that's fantastic. So thank you so much for your time and your insights and your candor. I always like to turn the mic over to my guests for the last comments. Kevin, what would you like to add just in closing or another comment that you didn't make earlier on in our questions um, as we unfortunately have to say goodbye? You know, as we mentioned, we're a hundred year old company. We have grown and, um, the, the purpose of our company has been focused on philanthropy and social impact for the hundred years. But this work and the levels we've reached with volunteerism and the impact we've had from our C suite and across the board, that, that hasn't always been the case. It, it grow, it has grown and developed. Um, and it's about, 
constantly having communications internally with your C-suite, having their buy-in and uh, middle managers to get them involved in volunteerism and engagement. So it takes uh, time to get to a place where you're on the Civic 50 for 11 years and leading in this space. But um, look at the insights and you know just know that if you are working towards uh, getting on the list or growing your social impact programming, there are tools and skills that you can take advantage of. But it takes time. So don't get discouraged because this work is so important. I uh, love that. Brandy. You know, it's interesting that uh, community and communications have the same first seven letters, right? They're very, very closely aligned. And my final word on this is to think about participating in, I'm going to build off of something that Kevin just said, that think about participating in efforts like the Civic 50 and other other initiatives that help us to step back and reflect on what we're doing in the community, but make sure that we're really communicating what's really making a difference in the lives of real people in real places. Let's not make this too complex. It is a complex space. We all want to drive impact. We all want to bring a business lens to it. But at the end of the day, this work is is really the programs that we support are truly making a difference in the lives of, of people. And we shouldn't forget that. And we should communicate that and not get lost in the data and instead make sure that we're, we are balancing it out with those, those human interest stories, those human stories of impact. Fantastic. Well, this has been an amazing, it's been an education for me. You both are just consummate professionals, but you're, you're candid and you're just sharing of great, great insights. I want to thank Kevin Coleman, Senior Director of Global Philanthropy and Social Impact at Hasbro, and Brandy McHale, Head of Community Investing and Development at City and President of the City Foundation. So continue the great work the great strategy, the great heart, and uh, you are truly benchmarks for so many others to learn from, but stay humble as you so are. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Carol. This podcast was brought to you by some amazing people, and I'd love to thank them. Ann Hundertmark and Kristen Kenny at Carol Cohn on Purpose, Pete Wright and Andy Nelson, our crack production team at True Story FM, and you, our listener. You know, we love hearing from you, so please give us feedback. Let us know names of people you'd like to hear on a future episode. How about some new questions to ask? And also, please rate and rank us because we really want to be as high as possible as one of the top business podcasts available so that we can continue exploring together the importance and the activation of authentic purpose. We all know every company, every brand, every not-for-profit must define their purpose, refine it, and activate it, and evolve it over time so it has the greatest impact on business growth and society. And by listening to these episodes and sharing them with your colleagues and talking about them, I want to inspire you to have an amazing answer to this question. What is the power of your purpose? Thanks so much for listening.